Welcome back to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. I'd love to kick off today's episode with none other than some wise words by Elizabeth Gilbert, the New York Times bestseller of Eat, Pray, Love. She says, if you're alive, you're a creative person. Now, we all know Elizabeth's journey about rediscovering her creativity. And yes, in the midst of a pandemic, there's not too many of us having eat, pray, love moments, but I am very proud today to have on my show creativity expert, Alexandra Luce. Alex's passion for creativity started young, but like many of us, she was faced with life and all the subsequent pressures to achieve as life tends to have it. Following a major life event, she decided it was time to take a deep dive and nurture her passion for fostering creativity. Her newsletter and venture, Acuity Development, sends nuggets of inspiration straight into my inbox with incredible calls to action like seize the moment, recover from the roller coaster, outwit enemies of creativity, and find your unique operating system, to name a few. Please, if you want to do something really good for yourself today, go and sign up to her newsletter at acuitydev.ca. Many of us are feeling the pangs of this pandemic. For many, our creativity is frankly stuck. So to get those wheels turning again, we'll be diving into everything creativity today. And I'm so happy to introduce Alexandra Luce. Alex, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm so happy that you can join us. And I think we all want to know just from a creativity standpoint, what is your word for 2021 and why? So my word for 2021 is joy um, because it just feels so good. (laughs) Experiencing joy is wonderful. And I think when you're intentional about it, you just end up with a lot more of it. So for me, partly it's selfish just because I love being joyful and I also want to spread joy as well. So, you know, what's interesting is my interviewees this year have had such levity for their words for 2021. And I'm noticing that Mm. guests last year were probably in a really heavy think mode, worry mode, because Mm -hmm. it reflected, I guess, the context, right? But I'm I'm really happy to see this shift and towards optimism. So thank you. Thank you for that. Alex, what can you tell us about acuity development? So in this context, acuity means mental sharpness. And I started the company to help people take their thinking to the next level because we think so much every day and the quality of our thinking has a huge impact on our quality of life, right? So very often we will separate critical thinking and creative thinking. And some people will be like really good at one and think that they can't do the other, (laughs) but really you need them both. Whether you are working in a role where you're doing a whole lot of analysis or whether you're doing creative projects, most of the time, they really go hand in hand. And I started off thinking, okay, I'll focus on the critical side and the creative side sort of equally. And then the more I got into it, I realized actually creativity is the key because even if you're great at making decisions, if you've only got three options, it's never going to be as good as it could be if you were more creative and you saw these other options that were so much better. So I think creativity is important for a whole lot of reasons. And one of the things I love is that when you are thinking creatively, what you come up with, um, you'll get all sorts of ideas and they're ideas that won't just 
probably sound good intellectually, but they're things that will get your heart and soul excited as well, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you're being creative, you tend to look at things much more holistically and you're more emotionally involved. So out of that, you tend to get much better solutions than if you're just sort of like working on it with the part of your brain that's really analytical and intellectual. I think we attribute creativity, Alex, to Mm -hmm. art and (laughs) in the conventional sense, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Art is, is, and that includes, you know, music, entertainment, that side of creativity. And that, that is in fact, you know, an embodiment of creativity, Mm -hmm. but I feel we undervalue the importance of creativity, even in a conventional workplace where we're meant to, as you said, you know, come up with solutions. And even from our first talk, you know, you talked about how as kids were, were taught to be creative, the classroom is conducive between like, you know, coloring and all the ways that we're meant to like, you know, inject construction paper and everything that we were doing. <laughs> but, um, and then we morph into being results oriented. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know that doesn't happen from one day to the next. How, right. how does this occur? How does this happen over the years? So usually when we're growing up, especially when we're really, really little, we are just creative, right? We, we sing songs, we make things up. We're like playing in the sandbox, doing all sorts of things and just sort of learning and exploring and having a good time. And then when we get to school, that's when things really start to change because as much as things like art class might encourage experimentation and like doing certain things and just going out and trying it, the emphasis becomes more and more on getting the right answer. And there's such an emphasis on testing and doing well on tests that there starts to be this association between I need to do well, I can't fail. And so we get much less likely to take risks in certain areas, right? And that, and then that sort of gets inbuilt. And at the same time, we are getting more criticism, right? Like if you're three years old and you make a drawing or a sandcastle or whatever, your parents or whoever is around is probably going to praise you, right? Like, oh, fantastic job. But then you get into an art class or whatever else. And there starts to be more judgment and criticism. And then we start getting exceptionally good at getting self-conscious and judging ourselves. Right. So I think that's through that process, we really start holding ourselves back and because we're, we're seeing, and it's probably not like at a conscious level, but we understand that, okay, this isn't, this isn't really being encouraged. Um, there are other things that I should focus on because that is what will help me get ahead. Hmm. From a developmental standpoint, that's really fascinating. And, you know, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of curriculum and like mm-hmm. Montessori type of school, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's more free range to, yeah, to yeah, have yeah. that level of freedom and but see, conversely, in a more standard school setting, from the get-go, you're absolutely right. We're, we're judged on something completely subjective. And then it breeds this level of insecurity. And actually, Alex, I'd be really curious on your take on recess okay. and any time spent between activities. We're going to talk about rest and all of that later. But yeah, I'm just curious about what you think of downtime in general. Oh my goodness. That is so important. It's really interesting. In schools, it's built in, right? Recess. And and we think of it as getting a break and having fun. 
and it is, we're moving around where we don't have to focus on like a math problem or anything. We can go kick around a soccer ball or make up a game or do anything. And that is super important. Um, just first of all, to give our bodies and our brains a break. And also because when you're doing something like that and you are relaxed and you're having fun, your brain is still working in the background, right? So let's say you just got out of math class. Even though you don't realize it, your brain is still processing in the background and Hmm. it will be making connections and helping you understand that better. So it looks like you're just out there having fun, but your brain is still working. And so that's why so many people have ideas when they're really relaxed, right? Like in when they're in the shower or when they're going on a walk or something. And they're like, they didn't set out to have a great idea, but they're there and they're relaxed. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, fantastic idea pops into your head, or you just all of a sudden understand something that you didn't before. So I know there's so much focus in our society on being task oriented and being super productive, but you will actually be more productive, especially over the long term, if you are taking breaks, <laughs> if you are not working all the time. Okay. So, so on that, and I'm so excited to dive into this. So from our first talk, <clears throat> we touched on, or rather you enlightened me to the importance of three pillars <clears throat> within creativity, play, rest, of course, the topic we're on and diversity. So <clears throat> Why are these three so important? Yeah, so let's start with rest. And at the really most basic level, we need sleep for our brains to function well, right? Like when we're sleeping at night, the brain is removing toxins. It is helping us actually process information. So when you're not getting enough high quality sleep every night, your memory is not going to be as good. You're not going to be able to make connections. So that's really the most basic level. And Often when we think of rest, we we equate it with sleep. And certainly that's important, but there are other types of rest as well. And the importance of that, aside from like your brain actually functioning well, like it's supposed to, it's exactly what we were just talking about, which is allowing your brain to work on things in the mm-hmm. background, right? Just because you're going to be relaxed um, and you're not focused and then your brain is doing all of these amazing things and literally making connections that over time you'll be like, Oh, okay, well this could really work well. So it's, it's giving your brain a chance to make connections and do the processing that it needs to. I think lately with the pandemic and how deeply that's setting into people's daily life. I mean, the past year has been all about it and the lack of boundaries. This comes up every interview (laughs) with anybody I speak to. It's Mm -hmm. the lack of boundaries between work and anything else. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Your space is your workspace, is your cook space, family space, rest space. It's like the brain's like, this is all the same. Exactly. So I feel that's an important piece in the realm of rest within the pandemic. And what about play and, and like how important is having a good time and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, even laughter just being contagious. I miss having fun. I really wonder post COVID post pandemic, how we're all going to grapple with having fun again. Why is joy so important? 
it is super important. And I want to preface this by saying I lived most of my life not having a lot of fun, especially once I got into school and university and grad school. Like I was very serious and I was focused on working hard and like following the system and doing well. And I wasn't having a lot of fun. And if you had told me that fun was important, I would argue really hard with you (laughs) saying like, how can that possibly be true? But it absolutely is. And especially if you want to be fueling your creativity, play is a way to experiment and try out new things and just let go. And there's no pressure, right? So if you are in, if you're playing a game with your friends and you try something new and you don't get the result you wanted, it doesn't matter because it's just a game, right? Whereas if you're at work and you propose something new and you try it out and it fails, your boss probably isn't going to be too happy with you, right? Like there's a lot more pressure. Whereas with play, you can just let go. Um, There's a great quote from, I think he was a sociologist um, who said that play is training for the unexpected, Mm. where you get really good at being flexible and adapting and being in the moment. And you're probably not overthinking things, right? Because you're just in the present, having fun, focusing on that. Okay. I have to point something out that joy is really contagious because just talking about joy actually makes me happy. So there's really something to this. And there's something interesting. I'd just like to offer an observation on the pandemic and joy and play. I think COVID's really challenged how we view play. Mm-hmm. How we, I at least, went into it assuming play had to happen in person for it to really derive some kind of meaning out of your life. Mm. And then enter technology, right? Where it should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was so grateful to these apps and to Facebook for these silly filters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was belly laughing again and it felt good because it almost felt strange as sad mm-hmm. as that sounds. But yeah, I wonder how this is playing on our well-being. And, and play doesn't have to be anything formal, right? Like it can just be a silly conversation with a friend, anything like that. And like you said, laughing is so important. So don't think that it has to be this formal, oh, on Tuesday nights I go and I play this game with my friends. Like you can, there are so many ways that you can work it in. And especially if you have any kids around you, like just watch them and join in, right? (laughs) It, It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Good point. And then, so diversity, which to me, I take it as seeking novelty. And I guess anything new creates new connections in the brain. That's just me insinuating. But can you touch more on diversity as well? Definitely. So you're absolutely right. It's all about getting in variety. So like you were saying, we like we're we're still in the pandemic. (laughs) Uh and for most of us we're spending or for a lot of us we're spending a lot of time at home and it's the same environment and the same people and we're not getting the variety of experiences that we normally would. And whenever you're introducing variety, whether it is having a conversation with someone new, um, whether it is trying a new kind of food, seeing a different movie, there are all sorts of things you can do. And you can think of it as if you've got a well and there's water in there, in order to really fuel your creativity, you need to keep contributing to that well, 
Because if you just try taking out of it and you want to be coming up with all of these ideas, you need new things coming in. And as you said, it is all about making connections, right? So maybe you see something being done in another organization or another country that you could use over here in your own life. The more diverse your social circle and your experiences, it's basically like the greater the pool of ideas that you have and the potential connections that you can make to create something that's new and valuable. You know, that that brings to mind like a place like New York City. I think yeah. of New York City as being this, just this injection for all your senses. It's wild. You're, you're yeah. under normal circumstances, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking the street and seeing colors and art and creation yeah. and architecture. And there's, you know, I mean, the people walking the streets, the fashion people are, you know, weird and, and, and really cool at the same time. And like, you know, you're seeing all these neighborhoods and like, so I think of that, I think of just walking a cityscape and experiencing all these different flavors coming at you, you know, that level of stimulation mm-hmm. has been so lost. Like i I feel muted these mm-hmm. days. The silence is haunting, right? Right. And and I think it really drives home that it needs to be intentional, especially now. It's much easier in normal times, and I'm using air quotes here, um, it's it's much easier to just sort of go out and live your normal life, and, and you'll have all of these different experiences. In the pandemic, it takes extra effort. And even afterwards, when things, you know, when we can travel again and see more people, the more intentional you are about it, um, the richer your experience is probably going to be. Absolutely true. So your journey, yourself, your story, I was hooked from the get-go, you know, even as a teacher, your your fascination with creativity spurred mm-hmm. you to launch this, this venture of yours um, that focuses on creativity and has made you the creative expert that you are. <laughs> um, so tell me about your own story and why creativity is just so important to you. Yeah. So it really mirrors, I think, what a lot of people go through in terms of when you're really, really young, you just love making stuff and it's fun. I would like make up songs that would probably annoy my brother. (laughs) (laughs) I loved writing, especially like I would write stories. I would write like newspaper articles. I, I wouldn't publish them anywhere, but I was doing stuff and it was fun. And then as I got older, I sort of pulled away from that. I remember being, you mentioned art class earlier, and I had, I have a very distinct memory from either grade nine or grade 10, and we had to do this project. And I came up with what I thought was an amazing idea. I loved glass and I loved mosaics. And I came up with this idea to make a fish out of glass. I was going to like bash up a bunch of bottles and make it like blue and green. And in my mind, it was going to be fantastic. And then when I made it, I was like, oh my goodness, it turned out looking absolutely awful. And my conclusion from that experience was, okay, I'm not going to take art class again, because clearly I suck at this. Right. And at the time I was like, okay, art just isn't for me. And I think a lot of people will have an experience like that, where you can see something in your mind but you don't have the technical skill to execute it the way you want to. And instead of coming out of that saying like, okay, so there are like technical skills that I need to build up and work on so that I can get to that level. 
Instead, we make the conclusion, oh, I'm not good at art. End of story, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then we just sort of shut ourselves off from it. So that was my art story. And then in university, as I said, I got very serious. Um, the, the only writing I was doing was school assignments. And especially when I was writing my PhD, oh my goodness, like I, I came to absolutely hate writing. Oh no. <laughs> and then afterwards, fast forward a bunch of years and for personal reasons, I had stepped away from a job that I loved and then my marriage fell apart and I thought, okay, that did not work out. I thought it was going to work. This was the plan. And it seems to have all fallen apart. So I started looking at my life differently and I realized that I had been doing what I thought I should do. And that what I thought I should do is really what I was taking in from society. And that I hadn't been questioning that. So I thought, because I got a PhD, I need to go and teach at a university. And if I'm not teaching at a university, then in, in some way I have failed. I'm, I'm not good enough, right? So that, that was one of the things. So I really started questioning things and realizing that I had not thought critically about my own life and I really shut off my creativity. So I started questioning, I started experimenting, I started traveling a lot more, trying a lot more new things. And my life became a whole lot more fun. I got fascinated with creativity and I got back into doing more creative things. The one consistent creative thread throughout my life has been food. Um, I have always loved eating and I've also always loved cooking and trying new things and making these weird mashups. And I think the reason that was sort of like a thread throughout was you need to do it every day, right? Like you have to eat every day. It was very practical. I hadn't really thought of it as being creative, but it was like the thing I did. And so that continued. And then I got back into writing, um, and doing various other things and just realizing how much joy creative, creative work, creative practice brings and how much better it makes your life. So echoing, just how much more meaning you were able to get from your life. And it's not just the enjoyment piece. Like you lit up when you talked about how you started to travel and like cooking injected you with all these, I guess, even opportunities through the day to leverage creativity. Something is, some see cooking as mundane and like just another task to like feed yourself. See it as an opportunity to be creative And when we first spoke, I mean, and I'm quoting you verbatim, you said, creativity is going beyond what's been done before. And it even sounds like you did that in your own life. How can reinvention play a role in in everyone's life, especially right now? (laughs) Yeah, so that is such a good question. And I know for myself, I used to really limit myself without realizing it. So I think if you're considering reinventing yourself or trying something new and and if you have a tendency to think, oh, that won't work for me or I couldn't do that, I think it really helps to zoom out and think about human beings (laughs) as a species and specific human beings. What have human beings done? What are human beings capable of? I guess when I was sort of at the start of reimagining my life, I was looking for 
all of these like inspirational stories and movies and documentaries about what other people have done. Um, because I thought, you know what, I'm a human being. (laughs) So are they, (laughs) let me, let me see what's possible. Let me, let me get inspired and try new things. And a few years ago, like when, when things had sort of like crashed and burned and I was like, okay, what do I do now? Um, what I decided to do was to go to Spain and do the Camino, basically like walk hundreds of kilometers across Spain. And I had never hiked in my life, but because I had seen this documentary about the comedian Eddie Izzard deciding to like run marathons when he wasn't even a casual runner, like he went out and trained briefly and then ran something crazy, like 27 marathons in 27 days. He's done it various times for charity. And it, that just blew my mind. And I was like, okay, so if he can go out and do that, you know what? I can go out and walk 25 kilometers a day, right? Like that, that should be totally doable. So I think it really helps to look around and see what other people have done and then start believing in yourself a little more. That. Reese Witherspoon, as you were talking, the movie, um, oh my gosh, where she treks through. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's based on the book by Cheryl Strayed. And sorry, the name is eluding me as well. (laughs) That movie, I just Mm -hmm. pictured you with a backpack and Mm -hmm. that like made me so excited. What would you say on that piece, actually? What would you say to people who are afraid of jumping in? Yeah, so I, I I would say think about what small steps you can take. Um like you don't have to take a gigantic trip. It can be something very small. Maybe you start giving yourself an hour to a week where you do something that you truly love. Maybe you go visit an art gallery. Maybe you make something in your garage, whatever it might be, right? Like just, just start down that path. Um, I also don't want to give the impression that I just sort of like jumped on a plane and then started walking. I I did do some training, um, beforehand and I have my best friend to thank for saying like, Hey, you should train while wearing your backpack. (laughs) And it was also like, I wasn't camping all along the way. It's very well set up in their hostels. So I, I chose something that I knew was going to challenge me and yet it wasn't going to be torturous, right? Like I wanted a hot shower at the end of every day. I wanted a good place to sleep. So I chose something that really appealed to me and excited me um, and was going to be hard, but not in like a horrible way. (laughs) I'm filled with inspiration. That trickles down to anyone because Mm -hmm. sometimes just hearing someone taking that leap of faith inspires someone to do the same. And like you said, the scale doesn't have to be gigantic, right? It could be doing something in your backyard. And the, the more you do that, it builds up your confidence and you start to see how much you're capable of. And you and then you start seeing more options, right? Like I mentioned my marriage falling apart and I want to follow up on that because the man who was my husband, we're now best friends. If you had asked me a bunch of years ago, um, okay, so, you know, five years from now, you're going to be divorced um, and you're going to be best friends. I would have thought like, what? I don't want that. That's ridiculous. But it's been fantastic. It is like, it's better for both of us. It has worked out wonderfully. But back then I would never have imagined that. And I certainly would have, would not have said like, Hey, yes, that sounds like something I want, but we change over time. And the more you are 
able to open your mind to possibilities and try things. Not they don't all have to be like super hard or super big, but the more the more consistent that you are about going a little bit further, your life just opens up and the world opens up. Would you say it's similar to a meditation practice, something you do more of, you'll get more comfortable with? Would you compare it to that? Yeah, absolutely. And like meditation has been exceptionally helpful to me in the last few years. That was another, that was another one of the things that really like pulled me through and has enriched my life so much. I can focus so much better. And I also feel that it has helped my creativity. Technically, one of the things that meditation apparently does is strengthen the connection between the two hemispheres of your brain, which makes it easier for you to use both sides and make more connections. So I'm I'm (laughs) penciling in my session tonight. I'm so, I get so mad at myself. I I'm like consistent and then I fall off the bandwagon, but see, you've just spurred me to. Oh, trust me. I, I, I fall off the bandwagon too. (laughs) Life, life happens. We're so busy, but we shouldn't, there needs to be space created for that. It's, it's it's necessary for us. And can I just throw something in here? Because you just used, you just used the word shouldn't. If anyone is looking for one very small change that you can make, it's to catch yourself when you say should and start changing that to could and come up with a few things that you could do. You don't have to do them, right? But just getting into the habit of coming up with things that you could do, going just beyond the one or two options, that is great for um, basically opening up your creativity. Alex, are you in my head? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We have have the same name and you seem to kind of be in mine too. You jumped right in when I said the word should, and I tell so many people, I'm so I'm a coach in training. I tell coaches, eradicate the word should yes. <laughs> from your vocabulary. Yep. And it came out and I'm like, ah, I did it. I did it again. <laughs> and you picked up on it. So I was here cheering her on. I know no one can see me, but I was like raising the roof here as, as Alex was talking. So thank you for that. Oh my goodness. And you are going to be such a fantastic coach. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. You know, that was the catalyst to this conversation in setting up a coaching practice, which is what I'm doing just on a personal note. Creativity is so important. Why? We talked about shoulds just now, right? As a coach, what we have to be very careful with our clients about is not to default to triggers Mm. and things come up in conversation, you know, during a session we hear should all the time. So as a coach, I need to find creative strategies to get around that. And that's where you come in. So on that note, Alex, we need this right now. We need creativity. Tell us more about acuity development and what's in the pipeline. Yeah. So I am really excited because I'm launching a course. It's called Jumpstart because it will jumpstart your creativity and give you what you need to keep it flourishing for years to come. So there are three parts. In the first part, you are going to learn a process that helps you switch over from logical analytical mode to creative mode. Um, And I think a lot of people who want to be more creative very often they think like, oh, I'm just not creative. I don't, I don't know how to do it. It's, it's not me. 
there is a process, there is a path, and this will show you exactly how to do it so that it gets much easier for you to be in creative mode. The second part, we get really tactical and you're going to learn a bunch of tools and techniques. So when you need creative options, solutions for whatever it might be, big or small, you're going to have a toolbox that you can use. And then the third part um, is all about fueling your creativity. So getting really um, deeper into rest, play, and diversity, giving you all sorts of tools that you can use. And along with the videos and the content, there will be live calls um, where we'll be doing really fun group activities and you'll get the support you need. So it's very hands-on. Any great learning experience has to be active. I've made this extremely active. Um, And if you are interested, if this sounds like something that you might enjoy, you can go to acuitydev.ca. That is A-C-U-I-T-Y-D-E-V dot C-A and click on programs. That is so exciting. Okay, I I am going to be telling everyone about that. Here's another reason why this is so timely. The conversations I'm having about people feeling as though their creativity, drain, and stuckness is very palpable at the moment. So this is extremely important. So I thank you for that. Alex, I want to cap this off with asking you, what are you most looking forward to? Honestly, um, launching the course. So it has been over a year in development. Um, I was wrestling with all of these things. I had these ideas and I was like, okay, how do I get people to be more creative? What, like, what have I done myself? What is possible? And it's really been, okay. It's taken a lot longer than I wanted it to. (laughs) Um, but it has been super fun and I am so excited to share it with people. A lot of what's out there is very focused on tools and techniques. It's not about how to get into creative mode. And that is really the essential first step that makes the tools much more powerful. So it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be amazing. And that's what's exciting me most right now. Love hearing that. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It has been a joy speaking with you. And I am so excited for your coaching practice. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. I want everyone to go sign up at acutydev.ca. Alex will spur you straight into action. (laughs) I promise. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. A special thank you to my guest, Alexandra Luce. I hope this provided you with that action item that you needed to take the next step in your creativity. We really need that at the moment. The pandemic has been such a drain for us. So I hope that infused you with some new energy and I wish you a fantastic week ahead. Bye. 